Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Park Road Books, the oldest and only independent bookstore in Charlotte, and by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence. Support is also provided by members like you, and for that, we offer our gratitude along with some awesome member-only content. You can find out more about these member benefits at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Welcome to this Under the Covers episode of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to their written words. This is the Friday version of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where host Landis Wade and his author guests get under the covers. That's right. We get in and out because there are just too many interesting books and engaging authors in the region and not enough time. And just like the longer version of the show, you'll learn interesting facts about the authors and their books, and the authors will read their work. And also, like the longer version, you will find images, links, and information about the authors in the show notes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. We are a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network, a uh, collection of Charlotte podcasts produced in and centering around the Queen City, and also a proud member of Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, broadcasting radio shows and podcasts about authors to a worldwide audience. I'm Landis Wade, the producer and host of this podcast. I'm a recovering trial lawyer. I'm the author of a trilogy of books where lawyers save Christmas, kind of a cross between My Cousin Vinny and Miracle on 34th Street, and I write stories, and I love books, and I love dogs, and I love beaches and mountains and fly fishing and sports and reading and more, and I also love getting under the covers with my authors. So let's get to it. Hey, listeners, welcome to this Under the Covers edition of Charlotte Reader's Podcast. I'm visiting today with Mary Best Dunn. She's the author of the book Fate Havens. It's a collection of interlinked character-driven stories that attempt to make sense of the world around us. The tales address societal expectations and the persistence of familial love. And again and again, these stories return to core questions. What is a good life? What do we owe to family? Dunn's characters never settle into simple emotions, and many stories have an engaging mood and nostalgia tense with sadness. And she's getting nice reviews too. Jenny Phil's author of The Age of Desire, calls the stories exquisitely drawn tales of the fate we all face. Such things as hope versus reality, love versus loneliness, and the desire to connect versus the lonely human journey. She calls it brilliant, insightful, and touching. It leaves the reader thinking about the meaning of his own choices, her own life. A beautiful insight, full volume, you won't soon forget. Mary Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you, Landis. Nice to be here. Yes, yeah, nice to hear those uh, those nice reviews, isn't it? Oh, it is. It was <laughs> quite a relief. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. I've been very pleased with the reviews. Yes. Yeah, c- congratulations uh, on the book. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Now you and I have something in common. We uh, we use the same publisher. Uh, so shout out here to Lystra Books oh, and yes. Services. Oh, yes. Yeah. And also to, to Nora Gaskin. Nora Gaskin is just a, a wonderful person. She's just was a gift to me. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. So how was, how was it for you to work with Nora and Leister book? Oh, it was exciting. She's very um, reaffirming, um, very comforting. Um, she understood what I was trying to say, sometimes better than I understood it myself. And she asked really clear questions, good questions that made me go a little deeper and help me connect um, some of the characters better. Um, you know, they say 
when you, you put a dream out there that people will just kind of show up in your life that um, will help you achieve that goal. And she did. She did. The publishing part was what I had dreaded. I never really, I, I just kept putting it off. I didn't want to deal with it. And she made it seamless. She made it fun. And uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm that's, very that's grateful. Great. I mean, I'm very grateful. I had the same experience with her. Um, of course, it kept showing up with uh, red marks on my pages and everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had have to get kid her about that, but but that's her job, right? Yeah. For, for, to, to focus yeah. us on what yeah. we need to do. Now, now, Mary Beth, um, book releases are supposed to be fun. Uh, they're supposed mm-hmm. to be exciting. You're supposed to be out there intermingling <laughs> with author, uh, other authors, and and readers, and talking about your book and. Mm. Uh, but you had to release your book kind of during the COVID-19. How have you managed yes. logist- logistically and emotionally? Well, um, emotionally, first, I just had to get my bearings. You know, it wasn't what I expected at all. I'm, I'm good with people talking face to face and uh, sharing the excitement. Uh, so I was looking forward to um, our Parnassus reading and um then when it turned out it was going to be um, all online, I'm working with Hannah Turner, who is uh, another person that showed up in my life and is helping me. I am not a social media savvy person at all. I was proud to be on Facebook. <laughs> and now there's, a, you know, now it's the only way to go, really, to um, promote your book and and get it out there. Um, yeah. So you've got a, you've got a, you've got a nice website now too. And by the way, oh, I do. Shout out to shout out to Hannah Turner as well because Hannah is actually uh, the the publicity sort of coordinator director. She's my right hand for when it comes to publicity uh, for the for the podcast, and she's uh, doing a great job with that. Oh so, yeah, uh, she's yeah. a ball of fire. I mean, she has yeah. so much energy. I just <laughs> she keeps me yeah. going. Um, and yeah. then and I'm I'm fortunate too. My brother um, helped put together the website. So Cliff Dunn out in California. And uh, so that was that worked too. But all of this is very new to me. It's um, so I, I'm taking it as an opportunity to grow, to stay with the times. <laughs> you know. Yeah, well we're we're all having to stay with the times. Yeah. I was I was doing only recording in a studio. And oh really? Something something different there with remote recording like you and I are yes. doing remotely yeah. here. We and mm-hmm. so we're trying new things. But but before we get into your book here, let's talk a little bit about you. You're you retired from a career as a teacher, educator at uh, Tennessee State yes. University, uh, yes. uh, and you said you then wanted to continue to follow your lifelong passion for literature and writing. Where did that passion come from, and when did it get started? Oh, where did it come from? Um, I think it came from reading. Um, every time I read something, it, it um, would just kind of spark something that I want to try my hand at it. Uh, it also came from my mom and my brother. They're both uh, kind of toyed around with writing uh, and appreciated books and good literature. Um, so I don't know. I just kind of, um, I always kept journals, I always kept a journal. Um, and then when I was teaching, um, I, I worked with teacher educators who were teaching their kids how to write. And so um, working with them, kind of inspired me even more to want to pursue my own writing. Yeah. And you're, you had a nomination for a push cart prize. That's I did. Pretty, 
great thing. Uh, uh, can you believe you, it? I was just. <laughs> <laughs> so t- tell us about the story that was nominated for that and how that made you feel. Well, the story is called Under a Different Sun, and it's about our main character, Rosalind, and uh, her husband, William, and how they um, are confronted with the fact that they have a, their son is gay and um, what that means to them and how um, how they deal with it in a way that they're not very proud of, especially Rosalind. Um, but she's pretty honest about it. And um, the, it was nominated from Gertrude Press, and it was their first time to nominate someone. And um, so I was, I was thrilled and honored to be a nominee. Well, that's great because I was I read the whole book and uh, ah. I read these stories and I was going to give you input on what to read. And I feel very sort of vindicated here that the part that I asked you to <laughs> yes. read today is from Under a Different It Sun. is, so, yes. Uh-huh. So, so that's you good. have good get taste, Landis. We're, we're going to get to that a little bit in the show here in just a minute. Okay. But, uh, but before I do that, you, you talk about the fact that you're a avid cyclist, uh, you do yoga, you play pickleball. Now, if I've heard about pickleball. <laughs> you heard about it oh you should yeah. play it it's yeah. of course it's hard okay. to play now we have to we yeah. had to put it up but um, yeah yeah and, and you're in nashville tennessee yes. you're there they're in the music capital right so mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. all right so okay before we get under the covers let's just do this real quick the front cover of this book let's talk about that okay. because our our listeners uh, can't see it they can see it in the show notes uh uh when they check oh. out the charlotteroospodcast.com <laughs> But uh, just tell us what, what's on there, because I can't tell whether this is a road to nowhere or a road to somewhere. You know. Well, it's all in the eye of the beholder. You know? okay. I'd like to think it's the road to somewhere and that yeah. our characters are on their on their road, are becoming. And um, so it's it's a bridge. The title of the book is Fate Havens, which is the name of the bridge um, that Rosalind later in the book has to make a, a, a decision about where her life is going. And um, at the end of the bridge, there is a light that foretells a, a, a more positive future, you know, for, for all the characters. Each character is in their own way dealing with uh, crossing a bridge or their fate, making decisions. And at the end, at the uh, bottom of the page are the um, daffodils. And that comes from a story called Roots, where William and Rosalind are um, going to the funeral of their son, and they're carrying the daffodils in a uh, milk carton. So, um, yeah, it looks like a lot of thought went into that yes. uh, book cover. It's not, there's, it's not overwhelming, it does, you know, but it does have a message there. So, yeah, okay, well, that that was from uh, Kelly Phelps. She, uh, Lojack, she designed that cover. So I'll give her a shout out too. So there yeah, you go. So, yeah. all right, you ready to get under the cover? Oh, let's do it. Hey listeners, we'll be getting under the covers in just a moment, uh, but first I want to take a moment to thank our episode sponsor, Carrie Knowles. She is the 2014 North Carolina Piedmont Laureate for short fiction. Her latest novel published by Owl Canyon Press is The Inevitable Past. I had the honor of being an advanced reader for that book and uh, offered this review. Carrie Knowles' writing has a dreamlike quality as it carries us on a journey from cradle to grave and back again. The inevitable past reminds us that the outcasts and most marginalized among us deserve to be remembered. Find out more about Carrie and how to get her book, The Inevitable Past, at cjanework.com. That's C J A N E W R K 
www.amazon.com. Also, if you'd like to support your uh, favorite local independent bookstore and get audiobooks at the same time, uh, you can join Libro.fm. That's L-I-B-R-O.fm. And if you use the promo code Charlotte Reader, that's all one word. You may not be from Charlotte, but you can still be a Charlotte Reader to get this benefit. When you use that promo code, you're going to get uh, two books for the price of one when you join at uh, Libro's $14.99 monthly membership level. This is a great way to support uh, your local independent bookstore and get uh, great audiobooks uh, at the same time. So check it out. Okay, so we're, we're talking about the book uh, Fate Havens with uh, Mary Beth Dunn. It's a series of uh, interconnected uh, stories, and uh, it's the kind of book that uh, at times makes the reader, in my opinion, a little bit uncomfortable. It involves several generations of a Southern family facing cultural changes. I mean, Mary Beth, you deal with everything from tradition and bucking tradition to marriage and bucking marriage and divorce and staying together and homosexuality and fidelity and death. I mean, that's a lot to pack into one book. <laughs> a little book, <laughs> when you say yeah. it like that. <laughs> what, what, what drew you to write about um, this family, but in particular, to put all these different points of conflict in these stories? Well, I think in, in this, at this time, in these modern ages, there are conflicts that most people at some point are facing, or they know someone who's faced, who has faced these uh, issues and tried to come to grips with them and accept them um, or not. So, um, you know, and some of them I've had experience with, and some of them are other friends have had experiences with, and some of them I just uh, know they were out there, problems that were out there. Now, what would you say, is there a common thread that ties all these stories together? I think it's people trying to be connected and accepted um, and people who are becoming and asking questions, hard questions about where they've been and where they're going. And most of them go to the get to the other side in a way that is... Um, Hard fought. Yeah, I mean, I, I take, uh, there's one story in here. Um, it's called Certain Kind of Mother. The mother uh, is Ruth. Uh, the daughter is Rosalie. The mother is divorced. Her daughter wants a traditional wedding. Her mother doesn't. It's kind of part comedy, part tragedy. Mm -hmm. But it's a bit of an interesting twist to me because often, you know, it's the younger ge uh, generation's break with tradition that creates the conflict. But in this case, it's not breaking tradition that creates conflict. It's sticking to a tradition mm -hmm. that creates mm -hmm. the conflict mm -hmm. with the mother. How, how did that mm -hmm. idea enter your mind, and what were you trying to do with that particular story? Well, I think um, someone had talked to me about um, issues skip generations. And so I was thinking, here is Rosalie, who is more, is more like her grandmother, Rosalind, wants a more traditional experience. And then Ruth is in the mid middle of that and is kind of appalled at her daughter wanting to have um, a traditional wedding. I think the daughter quips, you know, mother, you think I should just, you know, elope? And the mother's like, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be a bad idea. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, writers sometimes learn new things about themselves when they write. Uh, you're dealing with so many issues here. Did you learn anything new about yourself as you were writing these stories? I learned that the importance of acceptance and that um, I became more aware of um, the saying, we are always 
doing the best we can at every moment of behavior. That's a, a, a mantra I had back in graduate school. And the more I think about it, the more it's, the, the more truth it holds that um, even though some of the things that my characters say are not very um, polite or, uh, but you know, it can it comes from the heart and they're trying to figure out things. So I think it made me more tolerant and really want to know more about the struggles that people uh, are enduring. And what do you hope readers are going to take away from all these uh, different stories? Because you do, uh, so, as I say, some are happy endings, some are not so yeah, happy. Some are not so and, happy. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what are you hoping readers uh, take away from I'll this? go back to that acceptance of people as everybody's trying to just do the best they can. And um, it may not seem like the best to you, but they are struggling and trying. Yeah. And w- and one of the struggles in the book here, um, which happens early in the book, uh, which is from the, you know, Pushcart uh, nomination mm-hmm. here under a different son, it, it, it's it is this idea of the mother finding out that the son that she's raised is a homosexual. But I want you to set this up a little bit by talking about what happens in the first story, Worthy, where the mother she gets sort of uh, obsessed with a family tree. <laughs> yes. Um, this The story opens when uh, William and Rosalind have been married for about 10 years. And um, she is no longer a newlywed. And this is her new house is all the excitement she has. And she's saved up her money by, uh, she stopped smoking so she could save money to purchase this family tree um, which would highlight um, her family, the tradition that she holds dear. She has in her bedroom, just like her mother had and her grandmother had, she has portraits of all her relatives, um, who her great-grandfather, her uh, great-grandmother, and all the children. But it's kind of like um, an ode to tradition and where they've come from and where they're going. And so, um, and she's kind of clinging to that past. I think, yes, she's what, she's very proud of it. The family yeah. tree kind of shows, um, you know, one of her relatives was a founder of Nash of Nashville, or and is one was in the Civil War. Um, so she's very proud of that. And one of her concerns when she learns that her son is gay was that, is that, um, where would he be on the family tree? Where would yeah, he, I, he can't have children or that that's her idea that she can't, that they can't. Yeah. And I think that's a great setup to start into the read that uh, you're going to do here, which, uh, starts, uh, on page 13 of under a different sun. So, uh, whenever you're ready, just uh, take it away. She glared back at Billy's photograph and began to cry hugging her knees tighter, rocking left to right. She looked at the photographs of great granny, granny Hanson, Papa Myers and great grandfather Myers. She felt their shame. Oh, she managed. He wanted to talk to you. William hesitated at the door, his arms outstretched, each hand pressing the frame as if it might collapse. She looked up and saw his brows bunched with pleading. No, what he wants is absolution. 
Bless me, Father, for I have sinned, she thought, recalling her own penance from the past. Say one Hail Mary, three Our Fathers, and marry him, my child. Can he just be one of those those homosexual people? She swallowed, remembering how she hadn't made a scene when he came out. Does he have to announce it? Does the whole world have to know? It's beyond me, this cohabitating, as he called it. William rubbed his forehead as if trying to calm a befuddled mind. Still, he said with a resigned shrug, it is 1978, Rosalind, a new age, or so they say. Tell that to Leanne or Naomi or the rest of the bridge club. Maybe it's time someone did. He moved behind her, reaching over the back of the chair, cupping her shoulders in his hands, holding her still. He's asking too much. This is where I draw the line, she said. She'd been a tolerant mom, accepting Ruth's hell-bent decision to marry, only to wait eight years for the grandbaby accepting Billy's quitting high school, running through a string of odd jobs only to wind up at Walmart, and finally his refusal to seek normalizing therapy. She accepted it all with silent nods, a neutral face masking disappointment. She shrugged from beneath her husband's hands. There are some things that are still not right. She pushed up out of the chair and faced him. We come from good people, William, these people. She made a wide sweeping gesture toward the royal blue wall of ancestral reminders. That's your daddy's daddy there. He risked his life so we could know our Southern heritage. And my great granny Hanson, she came over with the high Irish immigrants and worked for some of the finest families in Memphis. We may not be the wealthiest people in town, William Myers, but no one would deny our roots. It's not our roots that are in jeopardy here, Rosalind. So, Mary Beth, that is, uh, of course, that's real life. Some people don't, uh, you know, accept change. They don't uh, accept uh, their children. That's that's a terribly sad situation when that happens. Uh, She wished him dead, but then you know, the book's not over. And, uh, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, um, and this is early in the book, so it's not too much of a spoiler, but, uh, you know, Billy, he does die and, and she has to come to terms with that. And you've got this story to my son and it starts out the day I forgot your birthday, you would have been 37. And so she's starting to grapple with, you know, what, would have happened if maybe if she'd been more open, maybe mm-hmm. if she'd been more accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's a real struggle for her. Um, it kind of brings she and her husband together a little bit, but then in some ways, uh, uh there's still that sort of, uh, I don't know, chasm that, uh, got carved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That mm-hmm. existed there. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's do this. Let's shift to the uh, writing life for just a second. Uh, okay. How did uh, how did teaching teachers help you in your own writing? Well, it made me step up to the plate. Uh, you know, I wanted to convince them the the worth of writing, um, and 
so I, I wanted them to be in an environment where they felt safe to write. Uh, many of them were teaching writing, but did not see themselves as writers. And so the, I saw that as my first responsibility to um, help them experience the actual process. And um, while doing so, then to uh, learn what it's like to write so that they can then help their students. Was it easier or harder than you thought it would be? It was reassuring in a way because um, everything I talked about with them, I had experienced myself and I felt like I was somewhat over beyond where they were. I mean, in, in this, in the, um, in, in feeling self-confident about being able to write. And so, um, that was reaffirming and it was a, a wonderful feeling to see them experience um, that knowing saw, they could write. And I saw you were quoted somewhere that you admire novelists, but, uh, but you try for the perfect short story. <laughs> now, what, what, what is the perfect short story in your opinion? Oh, <laughs> um, it's a story. It, it, it is a story that condenses a larger story. Someone said that a short story is like a glimpse of reality. Um, and so I think that's what I try to do. It leaves you wondering, almost wanting more, um, but appreciating what's there. Yeah, they don't always have perfect uh, beginnings, middles, and ends. Sometimes no. the end can be kind of a beginning. It mm -hmm. could be kind of a, a right turn or left turn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I saw that. So r routine, just a second. Did you have a pre-COVID-19 routine <laughs> and a post-COVID-19 routine? Yeah, it's very much so. Um, ideal world would be um, to wake up, have coffee, do a little exercise, and then um, sit down in my study at my desk and write. Um, that's the ideal world. Uh, if I'm just starting something, I, I try to force myself to be there for two hours. If I'm already involved in a story, it's, it could be all day. I love that feeling of really being in the moment with the story. Um, but that's not always there. And uh, now, <laughs> you know, they say you should use this time to be writing a great novel or a great short story. And um, I, f I, I am a little frustrated with myself about that. I find it's hard to concentrate. Um, I'm using the time to read a lot and be inspired. I'm even going back to my old books on craft and um, notes from uh, workshops and things and trying to get inspiration from that. So I'm not, I'm trying not to be too hard on myself. That's good. So. You shouldn't be because, uh, you know, everybody approaches this differently and uh, it is, it is uh, a, a, something that's hard to sort of get our heads around. Mm -hmm. right, so, so what has this book uh, meant to you in your personal and uh, your writing journey just to have this in the world now? Oh, I can't tell you. It's, it's, it was a dream come true. Um, first to actually hold the book in my hand and see it and know that, I mean, I, I, ultimately I've been working on it maybe 20 years, <laughs> you know, so, um, and then to get positive reviews, it was like, um, that was just an amazing feeling. And it's like, you can achieve a dream 
there were many times, I know writers say this all the time, you were going to give up, you know, I just, and as I said, I dreaded the publishing part, but it was worth, and it's been worth every moment. Um, I'm very proud of the book, so it's. You have every right to be proud of it because as I was reading it uh, and I got to the end and I said, so I want to know more because we have this last story and, uh, you know, the mother's not wrong, uh, the middle mother, she's predicted some things for her daughter who wanted the traditional wedding. But in the end, it's one of those scenes where her mother's gone and she's trying to figure out her next path. And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, what are you working on now? <laughs> well, I'm trying to figure out her next path too. So. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> How about that? Is that good? <laughs> That's right. So are you like me? Are you like, like, hey, where, where are you going, Landis? Well, I'm going into my study to find out what happens next. Yes, that's it. Exactly. I'm not sure until I take out the computer and start typing. Exactly. Is that what you do? That's, yeah. yes, that's, yeah. that's what well, I do. Well, I, I do sometimes. I, you know, if, you, if you're writing a longer piece and you do that, you could get down a long, long way. And oh, find yes. Out that's very different. Very you're different. headed in the wrong yes. direction. Yes. But, uh, mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I think, uh, you know, maybe that's where we're out of time. There's going to be some photographs and links, uh, information about the book uh, in the show notes that they can find. Um, very much enjoyed having you today on Charlotte oh. Weaver's podcast. And, uh, it's been great, Landis. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah. And I hope that uh, we can get back to a little normal so you can have that book signing at Parnassus, that nice bookstore in Nashville. Uh, yes. You can get That's another your, dream of mine. That was yeah, a dream. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. And then come to Charlotte, go to Park Road Books and go to make Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh-huh. hopefully Travel we'll around. Travel around <laughs> if we can do that kind of thing. But anyway, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, thank you, Landis. It's been great. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to their written words. Next Tuesday, we'll have another in-depth episode with readings and conversations about the written word and the writing life of a local or regional author. But before then, be on the lookout for another Under the Covers episode where we do much the same thing we do here, but quicker and sometimes away from the studio. Because there are just too many good authors. And not enough time. If you like what we're doing, please consider leaving a short written review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Because when you do, our authors' voices travel much farther and wider in podcast land. And if you're inclined to help us help authors give voice to the written words, and you'd like some member-only content cultivated by our authors and me as our thanks, please consider becoming a member supporter. You can find out how to become a member supporter and more about today's show and all previous episodes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. And you can keep up with news about the show by joining our email list and engaging with us on social media. We promise not to spam you because, well, that takes too much time. And if you do join our email list, we'll give you a free ebook written by me. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Until next week. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved.